Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2019-20 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the Shocker's second place finish down in Cancun. We'll be joined by Matt Norlander, senior writer for CBS Sports. We'll get his thoughts on not only the Shockers, but all of college basketball. We'll also preview the upcoming games this week against Central Arkansas and at Oklahoma State. Great show coming up right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Shockers made the championship of the Cancun Challenge, but came up a little short against West Virginia. I think after the first night against South Carolina, you have a 70-47 win. Uh, saw the Shockers turn the ball over a little bit more than usual, but really they were able to handle the length, uh, uh, You know, really play a good game against South Carolina. So you thought that might translate into the next day. Not quite so much, but uh, it was also a lot of learning opportunities for this young team. Yeah, this was kind of the, the big first test of the season for Wichita State. First time outside of Coke Arena. Uh, first time against, you know, Power 5 athletes, Power 5 uh, competitions. So um, I thought overall, uh, I mean, Wichita State, uh, very good performance against South Carolina. Disappointing performance against West Virginia. Um, I don't think it's a bad loss, but I think that WSU would have liked to, to competed uh, competed better, and especially on the offensive end. You know, West Virginia just pushed them around, uh, made them, you know, get them out of their comfort zone, and then they just, you know, went to town on them on the glass. And, you know, I don't know how many more uh, big guys WSU will see like the West Virginia freshmen, but, um, you know, that that's a problem for this team right now is boxing out big athletic big guys big athletic guys that are you know power forward center you saw a little bit of it against Oral Roberts with uh, CJ LaField's uh, younger brother I mean he gave WSU some fits too so uh, that's kind of the concern going forward Uh, but really the takeaway you know you did what you had to do you got at least one win in Cancun you you got that championship game experience you you saw you know kind of got a little bit of a wake-up call and now you know WSU has four more big games left in this non-conference so now they're they're going to turn their attention to to racking up a couple of those wins and feeling good about itself going into conference play. It was a little bit of a tale of two different games. In the game against South Carolina, we saw Wichita State out-rebound the Gamecocks by 9. In the game against West Virginia, they get out-rebounded by 17, including 17 offensive rebounds by the Mountaineers. So you have to think that will be a focus, This the little delayed time that they've had off getting ready for Central Arkansas on Thursdays to really be, be better on securing those defensive rebounds to not give up second-chance opportunities which we saw West Virginia have a lot of. Absolutely. Uh, Greg Marshall had his first press conference since coming back from Mexico uh, today on Tuesday, and that was the number one thing we talked about today was how to get better rebounding the ball. And it's not like it's a huge concern uh, because, you know, WSU before this game was not uh, one of the best rebounding teams in the country, so it's not, um, it's not like it's been a problem all season. But when you go up against these, you know, big-time athletes, uh, big-time uh, teams, uh, you're going to have to box people out and, you know, watching the film back. Uh, or Greg Marshall kind of put it perfectly today. is like it's not just a, a one-step process to, to boxing people out and getting a rebound. It's basically like a six-step process. And the way he put it was, you know, WSU would do the, the first two steps or the first four steps, uh, but they wouldn't complete it all the way through. Um, you watch film and you see guys, you know, uh, turn to box out, but then they don't complete the box out, and you know the West Virginia guy just keeps uh, keeps going to the rim and gets better position and just goes up and gets it. And uh, I think that's the biggest focus for WSU this week in practice is to to refine that that technique, make sure you're completing the box out, um, and and going up and getting the rebound. 
And I think that's going to be, you know, Central Arkansas is one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country, so shouldn't see much of a test on, on Thursday. But, you know, you want a more crisp performance. You want to see them rebound the ball better and feel better about themselves going into uh, one of the biggest, you know, road games of the season Sunday at Oklahoma State. West Virginia shot 41% from the field for the game. They were the first WSU opponent to shoot over 40% from the field this season. Wichita State only also had six assists, which was their season low. So it was kind of wasn't working on the offensive end, wasn't going great on the defensive end, but it's something that, you know, still I think Cancun was a good experience. You had a little bit of team bonding. They stayed after a little bit. So we're going to talk about this probably all season long, but it's a young team, and hopefully it's just the more of the, the long haul here continued improvement movement that we'll hope uh, to, to see form going into two big games against Big 12 opponents. Yeah, and I had a breakdown story after that West Virginia game about what exactly the Mountaineers did on defense to, to push Wichita State out of its comfort zone. So if you want a more detailed explanation, you can check that out on Kansas.com. And, um, but basically, uh, to summarize, uh, West Virginia, they play that up-the-line, down-the-line defense where they really, they're in passing lanes. They'll, they'll go all the way out to the half-court line to deny the pass, and uh, their on-ball pressure was spectacular. And that's the same defense that South Carolina plays with Frank Martin. Obviously, he was a disciple under uh, Bob Huggins uh, at K-State, but South Carolina just did not have the same intensity, the same uh, attention to detail that West Virginia. I thought West Virginia played lights out on defense. Uh, they they switched a lot of things, which gave which gave WSU a lot of problems in its uh, ball screen offense and its motion offense. Uh, it, it did similar things that uh, Cincinnati did last year uh, under Mick Cronin that, that kind of slowed down that, that ball screen offense to take away the three-point line. So um, a lot of things that, that WSU can watch on film and get better at, and now the freshmen and sophomores are going to uh, know – uh, how to counter that when they see that in a game next time, or that's that's the hope is that you know you see it once, you see it on film. Now you're better prepared to react to it next time you see it. Um, like I said, I don't think uh, they should get much pushback on Thursday against Central Arkansas, but with all these big games coming up in December, uh, they're going to be tested big time on on the offensive end, and uh, that's going to be the biggest uh, question mark going into all these big games: is can that offense you know get back to to being efficient? I want to talk about two individual players. First, Eric Stevenson. He led all scores against South Carolina with 19 points, all of which came in the first half. Leads all scores again against West Virginia with 22 points. So kind of what did you think about his performance down in Mexico? And then also a player that a lot of folks have been uh, having questions about on the offensive end is Dexter Dennis. Maybe just what have you seen in the film and, and his ability to search out his shot? Yeah, starting with Eric, uh, I mean, he's just playing uh, very, very well. Right now, he's playing a very good floor game, I would say, uh, so far this season. It's a little surprising. His shooting percentages are actually even worse than they were last year. Uh, he, he is taking, he's rushing a few shots, taking a few bailout shots. Um, but for the most part, I love um, his passing this season. I, I did kind of a breakdown on that after the South Carolina game, too, uh, of just how good he is in the pick and roll, at finding the roller, at reading the defense. He's, he's so good at those skip passes uh, that just uh, break a defense uh, and finding those angles that really no one else on WSU can. Uh, he's rebounding the ball very, very well, uh, which is what he did last year. Uh, he's minimizing turnovers. Uh, the only thing he has to do is just, you know, improve that shot selection, and that's something else that Marshall touched on today is uh, these young players are really, you know, it's such a, a learning process to, to um, know what a great to a good to a bad shot is, and you're seeing that a lot on Wichita State with all these young guys is that they're just uh, struggling to kind of identify when am I open? When should I shoot, shoot this shot? When should I give it up? Um, so that's probably the only thing that Eric can improve on is just a better shot selection. And then with Dexter, I think a, a lot of it's just mental right now. You know, he's not really doing uh, anything particularly well. I mean, he's such a good defender, such a good rebounder. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the offensive struggles have been been obvious. You know, he, he goes for 36 combined the first two games and the last five games, he's averaging like five points and like two and a half rebounds, uh, under one assist, no steals. So just not very Dexter Dennis-like. And really it's affecting his entire floor game. 
And I think that's more mental from uh, from what I've uh, been talking to. You know, people have, have told me that he's just, you know, he's working to, to get that confidence back, uh, to regain that, that kind of swag. And last year, I mean, this is kind of the same deal as last year. Uh, he went through that, that cold stretch, and then he asked to, to be brought off the bench, and that seemed to get get him going again. And he had a, an absolute, uh, you know, spectacular end to the year when they went 14-4 to close the season and it was a, a knockdown shooter, the best defender on the team. So maybe that's the, the answer is to bring him off the bench again and help him kind of get into the flow of the game. Uh, we've seen that help Jamaris Burton this year is, I mean, he was having a, an amazing stretch, you know, uh, to when he came back from injury and he was coming off the bench. So maybe that's the answer. Uh, we'll have to see, but uh, Marshall said today, you know, we, we got to get Dexter back to, to being that uh, that big-time player for us. And, you know, if he can get that swag back, then I think Wichita State, you know, they're, they're already 6-1 and one without much production from him. So that would only raise the ceiling even more if he can get that, that swagger back. And you look at this, I mean, seven games in, I think 6-1 and one is about where you want to be. Um, yes, it wasn't great to lose the way they did against West Virginia down in Cancun, but, you know, certainly they pulled it to 3-5 and five a couple of different times, and I think, you know, if you have the chance to play them again, might see it a little bit of a different ball game. hopefully learn from that experience. Uh, my question for you is on a go-forward basis, I think they have six games left here in non-con. What are the areas that you think they need to improve the most on between now and when conference play starts. Certainly maybe getting a little bit more production from the big men and, and seeing Echenique a little bit more involved coming off that injury would probably be one thing that I would look at. But what do you see? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they need more nasty from the big guys. And that's uh, what Marshall was talking about today is that they just have to be you know, leader, a little more mean a little more, you know, just nasty on the court and, and really go up and just, you know, secure those rebounds. I, th- I thought they just got beat to the ball early and often against uh, West Virginia, and maybe that is the wake-up call that they needed. Now they can see it on film, and that'll kind of uh, bring their attention to just how important those details are. And I think the details on offense, too. You know, you look at this, uh, I mean, Marshall has said uh, countless times this is, you know, such a better shooting team than last year. And you look at the three-pointer, I mean, it's it's improved, but it's still not like uh, anything above average compared to, you know, the rest of the country. And uh, they're actually really struggling inside uh, the, the, t- the three-point line, uh, finishing inside. Uh, they're taking a lot of two-point jumpers, which isn't, you know, the most efficient thing. Uh, so I, I, th- I would look, the number one thing in my mind is just to clean up the offense, get it uh, looking better, more smooth, uh, getting better looks, taking better shots. Um, that's the the biggest thing for me. If you're gonna beat good teams, I think the defense and the rebounding for the most part are going to be you know cleaned up. That's gonna be a strength for this team. The question is, you know, can they get baskets when they absolutely need them? Um, and like you said, I mean, West Virginia they played so poorly for so long, and you look at it with five minutes left, they're only down five. You know, they're one shot away from getting that to a one possession game. Um, they just could not get the stops when they needed needed them. But I think. Um, uh, going forward, the biggest thing that I want to see is, is clean up the offense and to shoot better percentages. You know, they're uh, 238th right now in effective field goal percentage, so that needs to be closer to, you know, the 100 mark uh, for WSU to uh, push towards that ceiling that, that a lot of people think they have this year. We haven't talked about any of the freshmen, but one thing that I did notice from the two games down in Mexico, I think Tyson is really becoming more of a go-to shooter in some of those late shot clock situations for this team. Absolutely. I love his game. I think he needs uh, to be getting more minutes, uh, I think, and I think he will going forward. You know, you saw down in Cancun, he got 25 uh, games, so I think that's going to be more in line with, with where he is at going forward. You know, he's shooting 41% on threes. He's taking a couple bad ones too. I mean, he's another guy who um, is still learning, you know, what a great shot is compared to a contested shot. But man, uh, catch and shoot, you know, every time he gets that ball and he's open, you know, you just have a feeling he's going to make it. And that's exactly what this team needs. And then you look at his uh, defense too. You know, he has a top 50 steal rate in the country. He's been very, very good in the limited minutes he's played on defense. Uh, his off-ball defense still a little sketchy. He loses his guy sometimes. You know, turns the head, ball watches. But, but man, he has great anticipation uh, in transition, especially you know finding where that pass is going to go. And then uh, off the ball too. You know, he just very good uh, anticipation. He's a ball hawk basically. So 
Um, love his game so far. I think he, he, he'll play more minutes as the season progresses. And like you said, he's a, that go-to shooter for WSU. Next four weeks will be really important, but we've talked about this in years past. They have kind of a week off between all of these games, and so you have the really big contest, but then you have a whole week to kind of go back into the lab and watch the film and and work on your game. And so I I think, you know, they're currently Ken Palm ranked number 50. Like I said, all is not lost here with just one game going away, and so still a lot of opportunity here moving forward. Absolutely. I think, um, I mean, the win over West Virginia would have been the win, like the feather in the hat. You know, WSU um, is still looking for that big time win. I don't think South Carolina is going to be that. They looked really, really they bad. Lost to you and I the next night. So, yeah. And no. they, I mean, we talked about them before. I mean, they lost to Boston at home. So I don't think they're going to be anywhere close to a tournament team. That's probably not going to be, you know, quadrant two at best. Uh, looking uh, looking forward to that, but um, you know, at Oklahoma State, that that can be a big time win. OU at a neutral court, that's going to count as a home game. But OU at home would be good. VCU, I think, is a, a certain uh, NCAA tournament team. Ole Miss, uh, that's a, that's another one. It's kind of like South Carolina. They don't look great so far, um, but they're a little bit better than South Carolina. So I think looking at that that four ga- big four game non conference slate. You want to go at least two and two. You want to um, finish, you know, ten and three, I guess, in the non-conference. At worst, if you're gonna, you know, feel good about your NCAA tournament chances, if they can go three and one at that stretch, that's gonna be big time, and the Shockers are gonna be feeling really good about their their tournament chances. But yeah, I mean, we, they really only have you know two, uh, you know, worthwhile opponents so far: South Carolina and West Virginia. We're gonna learn a lot more about this team in the in the month of December. A lot of big games. I can't wait to to finally get a big game atmosphere again in Coke Arena. Yeah, that'll be exciting when VCU comes to town, and uh, certainly Old Miss, just from name recognition alone, will will be a, another good crowd. I tell you. You know, in retrospect, I, I wish Northern Iowa would, would have maybe been able to take care of business against West Virginia, but I was also dreading that old Missouri Valley matchup. I'm not sure if that would have gone any better for him either. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Matt Norlander, senior college basketball writer for CBS Sports. Hey, this is producer Brian. If you would like to get more connected into what we're doing at Talk Angry, head on over to patreon.com slash talkangry where you can become a part of our Talk Angry community. We're going to be setting up a bunch of cool features there. We're going to be doing monthly Ask Me Anythings with the crew. We're going to be doing special bonus episodes for those who are supporting the podcast. And for those of you who are able to support, you're going to help us bring even better content in the future, allow us to upgrade our website even further, get our get our podcast out to even more listeners. So be sure to head over there, patreon.com slash talkangry. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. We're joined now by Matt Norlander, who's a senior college basketball writer with CBS Sports. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing well. Happy December, guys. Uh, great to be with you. And we are, uh, you know, it's wild as we spend this in the off season, like, you know, analyzing, predicting, looking forward to the season. Hey, we are already one month into the college basketball season. It's wild. There's already been four weeks that have, that have passed by. And from a games played standpoint, just so you know, we are more than 30% of the way through the season in terms of game inventory. So it's great to be here, but, uh, Catch your breath here because the season does go by uh, in a hurry. Next thing you know, we'll have conference play in full bloom in January. Well, that's actually where I wanted to start with you. You mentioned we're a month into the season. Thanksgiving is when we start to see some of those intriguing matchups with the different Thanksgiving tournaments and things like that. You know, what what has maybe surprised you most just uh, across college basketball this year? Certainly you had a great article on Stephen F. Austin's upset over Duke, but any other storylines you want to touch on uh, here early in the season? Sure. Um, the obvious thing, but I do feel like it warrants repeating uh, because we've never seen it before. So as we speak, Louisville is the number one team in America, and it's the first time in the history of college basketball that we've had four different number one teams in the first five weeks of the season. Not only that, only one other time in the history of the sport have we had four teams get to number one before the new year, before we flipped the calendar from December to January. That was back in the late 80s, and we didn't get the fourth team there until a couple of days before Christmas. So in terms of tumult at the top, we just have never had it before. And I think that's a great thing for college basketball because it keeps us on our toes. And the teams that are getting in that one spot, Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke, Louisville, 
you know, those are four of the seven or eight biggest, strongest uh, programs and recognizable names in the sport. So if you're going to have some unpredictability, uh, at least you've got familiar names occupying that one uh, in the ranking. So that's been one thing. Um, I'll tell you, we had our, uh, we do a, an every Tuesday feature at CBSports.com called the Frosh Watch, and that debuted on Tuesday at CBSports.com. And I got to tell you, um, picking the top 10 freshman performers in America so far this season was not an easy task. There's about 16 guys who deserve legitimate consideration for those top 10 spots. And yet heading into the season, based off of a relatively strong high school class of 2018, this 2019 class was expected to be just okay. And maybe we'll come to find that it is, but I'll tell you what, I... I would lean that's not going to be the case in, ter- in terms of what these guys are doing. Um, and, and not just Cole Anthony, although he is obviously the biggest name. You're just seeing you're seeing a lot of freshmen take on a lot of responsibility immediately. Um, Cole Anthony being the biggest one, but Vernon Carey Jr. right now, you know, again, we're only a month into the season, but he's tracking to be one of the three or four most productive big men in the past 12 to 15 years at Duke, and he's a freshman. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing there. Um, so Isaiah Stewart at Washington has, has been fantastic. Nico Mannion and Zeke Naji at Arizona. Um, they've been terrific there. They've been two of the top 10 freshmen in America, I think, uh, indispi- indisputably, uh, Landers Nolly, who was a redshirt freshman. He w- he was unable to play last season. He's been great for Virginia tech. So just seeing, uh, the freshman impact overall has, and being, it being greater than I thought, uh, that's been a pretty refreshing, um, surprise overall. And then other than that, uh, I'm trying to think what else has kind of stood out. I, I will say this. We've had a few programs with coaches under some real pressure this season start off to good starts. Like Texas is under its best start ever uh, under Shaka Smart. This is his fifth season. They are 7-1 seven, seven and one so far. Maryland, 8-0, never started that strong under Mark Turgeon. They were expected to be a top-10 quality team, and they look like that so far this season. That's, that's pretty cool to see. Um, and even some under-the-radar surprises. Oklahoma State and Butler, yet to lose a game so far this season. Arizona, after its dreadful season a year ago, it's 9-0. and And even Auburn, which made the Final Four, you know, Virginia's gotten plenty of love for what it's been able to do, and it's, had, it's been surprising in its own right. But Auburn, which also made the Final Four, uh, still undefeated. So we are not short on surprises this season, just like any other. And I'll be intrigued to see how the overall picture of college basketball shifts between what we're talking about now and a month from now when just about every league will begin conference play and, you know, tier one, tier two, and tier three of college basketball are clearly more separated than even what we can tell right now. Yeah, you mentioned a future Shocker opponent there in Oklahoma State. They're off to, like you said, a wonderful start, three pretty impressive wins so far. Uh, That Ole Miss game, man, that's uh, you don't see that too often. Uh, when two good teams get together, almost a 50-point win. So what what can Wichita State, they go to Stillwater on Sunday. How would you kind of uh, preview that matchup, and what kind of tests is uh, Wichita State going to get in its uh, only road conf- only road game of the non-conference schedule? Uh, yeah, no, Oklahoma State's uh, it's a real deal kind of team here. Um, 7-0, Mike Boynton, who is going to have uh, – We'll see what kind of team this becomes this season. Just so you know, I mean, as some of your listeners are well aware, I mean, Kate Cunningham, the top player in the class of 2020, he's going to Oklahoma State next season. So the Cowboys will have a very good shot at being a preseason top 25 team. Uh, but right now, defensively, terrific. Uh, Wichita State is probably going to be able to uh, uh, prep and practice with some sort of familiarity because I don't think the styles in which Oklahoma State plays defense and the style that Greg Marshall has taught over the years are that different. And these are two of the top 20 defenses I would think easily in America at this point. Um, now I know Wichita State's coming off, um, you know, uh, an acceptable, but a little bit of a rough loss against West Virginia. I get all that. Um, the problem if you're a Wichita State fan at the moment is South Carolina is just not that good whatsoever this season. And so you lack a real strong win at this point. Oklahoma State presents a great opportunity and you have it in a road environment. So if I, if you'll allow me, just you know, big picture stuff, stuff for down the road here. It's your only non-conference road game. Um, if you lose that, the opportunities in league play, you're only going to get a couple to get like quad one level road wins, and so it is it's fairly important for Wichita State overall to uh, to make sure that it can kind of get the most out of this. And I'd love to see. I mean, in particular, uh, Trey Wade, how he's going to be able to attack that Oklahoma State defense. Dexter Dennis has been um, – I mean, he, I like him, but I think that he can be better. Um, I, you know, I understand he's just a sophomore. I want to see what else he can do. Oklahoma State has good strength, good agility. 
Um, they've got uh, uh, this player named Lindsey Waters, who's a senior, who I, I rarely see make a bad play. He seems to be a pretty smart player. Cameron Griffin, another senior. Uh, they've been really helped there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, li- I like their team overall. I would say Oklahoma State at this point is a little bit better than Wichita State. Um, not that Wichita State can't get the win there. Uh, I think that the Shockers have enough pieces on the roster to get to the tournament this season. But to be fair, this kind of game should provide a, a, a real litmus test as to, like, if you win it and you win it and you look good, then it's like, okay, yeah, last season was a down season. Greg Marshall's got this thing on the right track here, and he's going to uh, play to his mean, which is getting to the tournament. We just wait and see if that's going to happen. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, kind of the Shockers building that, that NCAA tournament resume. Uh, like we said, uh, Oklahoma State's the only road test, but they have a lot of big games at home coming up. Or They play OU at, at the downtown Wichita Arena, and then they get VCU and Ole Miss at Coke Arena. So realistically, looking at these four games against you know top top 75 teams, what, what kind of uh, record do you think WSU needs to come away with to, to, build a, to feel good about their NCAA tournament chances going into conference season? Well, let's expand this real quick here. So they've got one, two, three, four, five. They've got six more non-conference games left on the schedule. They're at six and one now. So 13 total games. If you want to feel good, minimum 10 and three. 11 and two, you're sitting pretty nice, no matter where you get those wins and no matter where those losses come from. Because uh, even if, you know, this is not going to happen, but even if the only two other losses came from Central Arkansas and Abilene Christian, but you were able to beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, VCU, and Ole Miss, then, then those losses are going to get canceled out by some really strong wins. So um, if you're a Wichita State fan, uh, you know, one more loss. I don't think that's going to happen. I personally think Wichita State's going to be 10-3 and three once we get to uh, that big Memphis game in the second week of January. But that's where you want to be overall. It doesn't help that Wichita State um, just hasn't had enough yet on the schedule. It does have its opportunities. Uh, but just, you know, blindly here, Oklahoma State, to me, tournament team, Oklahoma, I'm going to fade that a little bit here. I actually, I could well I'll be wrong. I accept this. I'm going to say Oklahoma just misses out on the tournament this season. VCU, tournament team, Old Miss, not a tournament team, in my opinion. So if that winds up being the case, um, yeah, those games become all the more pivotal. Not just, not just because, you know, tournament team versus not tournament team, but also, you know, where if Ole Miss winds up being just okay, that's a home game for Wichita State. It's not a quad one win. It'll be a it'll be a quad two win, which isn't bad. But when you're Wichita State and you're probably going to be somewhere near that bubble, you need to rack up as many quad one victories as possible. And at this moment, it remains to be seen how many they can get and how many you know how many opportunities they will have. Because even the American, which is solid, uh, I I don't know top to bottom if it's going to be as good this season as it was last season i I tend to say no by by slim margins and i say that being fully aware that memphis uh has the talent to you know threaten to make a final four well let's talk about the aac next this is the third season that wichita state's been competing in the conference uh kind of a two-part question Uh, you know from a national perspective do you think uh their profile has been raised with the move to the aac and also as far as this season you already talked about a little bit but kind of how do you see things shaking out at the top Uh, obviously memphis cincinnati houston several others are going to be in the mix uh, Wichita State moving to the American Athletic Conference was the right move for the school. I don't think there's any argument against it. The profile has been bigger. They had, you know, there are, there are more benefits. The American Athletic Conference is a uh, is a power conference as far as I'm concerned. I think I, you know, I dub it one of the major seven conferences. That's backed up by data when you look at, um, you know, any sort of power ranking at Ken Palm, Massey, or otherwise. There is a significant uh, line of delineation between the American and then whatever conference you want to slot in there at number eight, be it the Atlantic 10, the West Coast, the Mountain West. Um, the drop-off is sizable. And so, I, you know, it is a major conference in which South State was better because of that. How the league looks this season is going to be intriguing because Houston, not yet been as good as, as expected. Um, what is it, three and two at this point? I mean, it's bizarre. Um that Houston has only played five games, by the way, just a, just a total oddity. I got to figure they had a game scheduled that fell out because they only have 29 scheduled and you can get up to 30 or even 31 if you play in a, in a multi-team event, but uh, that didn't happen. Memphis, James Wiseman comes back. I mean, you know, that should be a top 20 team. Cincinnati, I've, you know, 
as we record this, I just watched them uh, hold off uh, Vermont, um, but really cave in on like a 28-point lead. Uh, I thought Cincinnati would be the best team in the league. I'm not yet ready to say that I'm going to be totally wrong on that, but you know, the Bearcats um, losing to Bowling Green uh, two weeks ago uh, was, was certainly a hit to my credibility, but still a good team. So I would say Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, UConn, and then Wichita State are the five teams that are going to compete. I think the ceiling for the American is four bids. If you told me it only got three, I believe that's possible, but I think three is like a lock. I can't see a situation in which only two teams get to get into the tournament. So there'll be at least three, as many as four, but really five teams competing for it. Um, SMU and Temple have been solid so far this season, and I don't really even think the bottom of the league has been dreadful. Tulane, obviously, has already won more games this season, six, than it did all of last season, four. Tulane's going to be the biggest turnaround team in America this season because it's going to minimally probably quadruple its win total uh and if not that come close to it certainly triplet at the very least um east carolina is really the only uh pushover and that's because it i think it lost everyone except two players on its roster just an insane thing so overall american solid maybe not quite as good as last season but still good in its own right and wichita state to me is going to wind up being anywhere from second to the fifth overall in the league pecking order, but to me, it's even still or too early to determine that. I got to see more from Wichita State's offense. Last question for you, and then we'll get you out of here. Over under, this is a little interesting question 0.5 more final fours for Greg Marshall at Wichita State. So if you got the over, you think he makes it again. If you got the under, not so much. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'll, I'll do a roundabout answer here. Um, it's, I'll let the record reflect that I am in no way predicting this, just to, to be clear. But um, with the news on Monday of Washington football coach Chris Peterson kind of abruptly just kind of saying like, hey, I'm done. Like, uh, I'm going to step back here. I thought, who would be the college basketball analog to that? Like a successful coach uh, did a lot at a program, like, you know, some overachieving in his mid-50s. And it would be shocking if he just decided to step away, but I could kind of see it. And I kind of thought that – Greg Marshall would be the candidate that I would choose there. Now, I don't think he's going to do it, but I actually think he's the closest thing college basketball has to, say, Chris Peterson. So with all of that said, I will take the under. Getting to a Final Four is extremely hard. Um, you know, Greg has obviously got Wichita State operating like a top 35 program in America. And before Wichita State fans might get uh, <laughs> get up uh, all uppity on me, you know, take a look at the teams that you would put in that top 25 overall. And top 35 is is no slight. That's a, that's a, an incredible job he's done. Uh, I will go under. It's just, it's so hard to get there and you can have really good teams and fail to get there. But um, if you had the same question to me with an elite eight, I would take the over. I think he's probably got one more elite eight run in him. Uh, granted, if he wants to coach another five, seven, ten 10 years, I certainly think that's possible, but um, I would be, you know, not wanting to, but a little pessimistic on the overall final fours. But doesn't mean Wichita State can't and won't be relevant. I still think that as long as he's there, uh, more times than not, you know, call it six out of the next ten years if he's there for a decade, uh, six out of those ten years, Wichita State is going to be relevant and either fighting for a tournament bid or, or for sure going to get there. Roster currently full of freshmen and sophomores, so certainly have a lot of opportunity to grow over these next few years, and we'll hopefully have some continuity in the program. We certainly appreciate you taking the time, Matt. Our listeners can follow your work at cbssports.com. You can also follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Norlander. Last bonus question, you're a big music fan. Who, What bands are, or who are you into right now? Oh boy, good question there. I've been listening. I've been listening to a ton, actually, just some random stuff as of late. Uh, listening to some Spoon, um, listening to some Avit Brothers, kind of hit their past four albums or so. There's a good band out of Australia called Jaguar Mon. J A G W A R M A. Uh, they've been pretty solid. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I've been listening to. Some Run the Jewels. Yeah, that's just a uh, that's a little uh, a little touch of it there. But I've actually been going back over a lot of the the stronger albums of the past decade, as opposed to really being up to date with some of the 2019 releases. But uh, I endorse uh, I endorse all of those uh, just as like a starter. I don't even get me going here. I can go for another hour. But uh, there's just a little bit of a taste, and yeah want to follow me on twitter and hit me up with any music stuff i'm always open to it yeah come for the college basketball talk stay for the music analysis so we appreciate it matt you have a great week gentlemen thank you so much you too
Welcome back to Top Gangry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll move now into our game preview, starting with Thursday's home matchup with the Central Arkansas Bears. They are from the Southland Conference. We're picked to finish fifth in that league. Currently 1-6 on the year. Ken Palm ranked number 289. They lost to Baylor by 44 and to Duke by 51. Their only win is over Hendricks College. So just to put it simply, this is a game that Wichita State needs to take care of business. Yeah, Jimmy Hendricks College, they spell with an X, too. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're overmatched. You know, they're 0-6. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty uh, strategic game, I guess, for Wichita State. They knew they were going to be coming back from uh, from Mexico, international trip. Uh, they have, you know, a week off, and then to come back with a, with a pretty easy gimme game at Coke Arena. This is exactly what this team needs. Um not so much just to win the game, but the way that they play, that's going to be the, the thing to watch. Uh, you know, Greg Marshall wants a, you know, a crisp performance on offense and defense. You know, he wants WSU to, to play, you know, the right way, to feel good about how they respond. And kind of reminds me after that Texas Southern game where, you know, they really, really struggled on offense but gutted it out at the end. Uh, kind of a, left a bad taste in their mouth. And then they came back a week later against a pretty solid Tennessee Martin team, and they dropped 103 points on them. They looked really, really good on offense and defense. That's the kind of performance that Greg Marshall wants on Thursday. Maybe not necessarily put up 100 points, but just to look good on offense, get good shots, take good shots, and then on defense to take care of business and then to rebound the ball a lot better than what they did uh, against West Virginia. Central Arkansas is averaging 17.7 turnovers per game, so should be a lot of opportunities for the Shockers on the defensive end as well. Their leading scorer is 6'6 junior guard Ryland Bergenson. He's averaging 14.1 points per game. Moving on, the game on Sunday at Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are 7-0 on the young season. They will play Georgetown at home on Wednesday before welcoming Wichita State in on Sunday. Game starts at 1 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPNU. Head coach Mike Boynton Jr.'s in his third season, and the Cowboys were picked to finish sixth in the Big 12 preseason poll, but have really surprised some folks, look good here early in the season, and they're Ken Palm ranked number 22. Yeah, I've been really surprised. I was expecting maybe they got like a grand transfer or like a five-star freshman uh, before I kind of did my research on them, and I mean, this is a lot of the same guys. I mean, there's a couple guys on that team that WSU played a couple years ago. So. Two leading scorers are sophomores right now. So, yeah, just yeah. a lot of young guys in the program. Yeah, so uh, they're playing. They're just playing lights out defense for Mike Boynton right now. And, uh, you know, they have the number 11 Ken Palm defense. Uh, they're blocking, you know, everything inside around the rim. I don't know if this is how you pronounce his name, but you're a, a nigh. That's what I'm going to guess. Um, you're a nigh. You're a nigh. 6'10 sophomore. Um, top five, yeah, top five in block percentage so far on Kempom. So uh, he has 23 blocks on the season, uh, just unreal rim protector. So that's going to be a big challenge for WSU is to, to score inside the paint. And that's been a problem for this team so far through seven games is, you know, I mentioned that two point field goal percentage, very low below the national average. So, um, you might see a lot more three pointers that game. Uh, you might see a, a lot of pull up jumpers. And that's what the Oklahoma State defense wants is to, you know, per, uh, stop you from driving it, you know, have him camped out in the lane and kind of deter drivers from, from driving it all the way to the rim and have to settle for those awkward floaters and try the bank shots and uh, force them to pull up. So uh, WSU's offense is going to be put to the test big time in a road environment. Uh, the good news is that, you know, it's December uh, I mean, from our experience a couple of years ago, going to Oklahoma State, not a lot of students there. It wasn't a packed house. So maybe that will change because this team is 7-0. and um, But, you know, it wasn't that tough of a road environment last time. Um, so it will be interesting to see. But, yeah, WSU is uh, going to have to execute much better and uh, make sure that, that the offense is, you know, operating at a little bit higher than what it did against West Virginia to, to pull out that game. For whatever it's worth, there are a lot of tickets available on Ticketmaster, so a lot of Shocker fans do have the opportunity to make the trip south down to Stillwater and see the game on Sunday. think I'll be joining them down there myself. Cowboys won the NIT season tip-off. They beat Syracuse 86-72. to You know, that's an average score. But they beat Ole Miss 78-37, to so really just decimated them. Obviously, that's a team we'll see here uh, in early January at Coke 
Oak Arena. They do have one common opponent with Wichita State. They beat Oral Roberts 80-75 to on November 6th. Wichita State beat Oral Roberts 68-59 to on November 23rd. So, uh, you know, I don't know what exactly you can take from there. But as far as when you look at keys to the game, uh, what, what do you got here? Yeah, I mean, uh, Oklahoma State's not a great uh, rebounding team, so you got to win the rebounding battle, I think. Uh, and then just it's going to come down to WSU. Can it score on offense? You know, these are two of the best defenses in college basketball. Um, I think kind of like Matt Nor- Norlander said, I mean, they're probably two of the top 20, 30 uh, best defenses. So this could be, a, you know, a slugfest. It could be, you know, first to 65. Um, so if WSU can somehow manage – Maybe they get to the free throw line, or maybe they they kill them on the offensive glass to get second chance put putbacks, or maybe they just uh, shoot the ball really well from three point line. But they need to find a way to manufacture points, and I think this is going to be a game where it might be the first to 65, maybe even 60 if both teams are playing uh, well on defense. So um, this is going to be one where you just have to find a way to pull it out on the road. And, I mean, Oklahoma State's offense, nothing really crazy about it. Uh, they just rely on that that stout defense. So I think it's just going to come down to, you know, how WSU can manufacture points, and maybe that's, uh, you know, at the foul line or just sh- shooting really well. So I think those are the, the keys of the game. Yeah, the Cowboys only shoot at 43% from the field, 30% from three. Another stat that jumped out to me, 13.4 turnovers per game. So it might be an opportunity. that They have young guards just like the shot. Do so. Uh, I know in that game two years ago, that was a dogfight that came down to the end that the Shockers were able to pull out with some ugly basketball. That's usually the brand of basketball they need to play if they're gonna, you know, win games like this. And so, uh, you know, I, I think you got to just look at this as a big time opportunity for, as we've talked about all show, that resume building win. Yeah, I mean, in Oklahoma State, their defense is geared around to to you know forcing people to to take jump shots against them. They're giving up, you know, I think the twelfth most threes in call, or I think it's eighth most uh, threes in college basketball um, on a on a per shot basis. So you know the shots are going to be there. They're going to really put an emphasis on you know packing the lane. Uh, stopping you from scoring at the rim. So, you know, maybe this is a big game for Tyson Etienne. Maybe Eric Stevenson gets his shot going. Maybe Dexter Dennis, you know, comes, the shot comes back from the grave. So um, I think uh, the chances are going to be there. I think Trey Wade has a chance to have a big game too with his ability to stretch the floor. Um, so I think if, you know, WSU is going to have a breakout performance beyond the arc, I mean, this might be it. Be it. I have noticed that they certainly got to keep Trey Wade out of foul trouble. We saw that a little bit down in Mexico. And when, I mean, he, he's just so athletic and, and long and provides them with a little bit of mismatch down low sometimes. Or really, he's just a guy who, you know, seems to really work hard on the glass. And so got to, you know, keep him out of foul trouble if they can. Yeah, I mean, that was the first time all season he's been in foul trouble. He Before that, he had been very, very good about uh, avoiding fouls. And, you know, he picks up two in, I think, the first two minutes of that game. He, he fouls them, you know, 90 feet from the basket on that second one. And uh, you saw how the rest of the first half played out, and I think that kind of set the tone. I think they had third – they out-rebounded WSU by 13 the first half. So, um, for, 17 for the game, so that kind of shows you – uh, what kind of hit WSU took, even though they played two centers for most of that first half. I think, um, you know, Trey Wade is just a different animal on the, on the glass compared to some of the centers who, who have, you know, as Greg Marshall's kind of pointed out, it's tough to kind of rev up those engines and get them playing the, the nasty kind of basketball he wants. So um, Trey Wade is a guy that, that is like that. And, um, yeah, I think he can be an X factor in this game. He's been really good so far this season for WSU, maybe even better than expected. And, um, yeah, I think if he can stay out of foul trouble, he's uh, he's kind of a potential mismatch for Oklahoma State. Shockers get Oki light on Sunday. They'll get Oki next Saturday at Intrust Bank Arena, also known as the Austin Reeves game. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, so now we can talk about the return of Jaime to the team. He's been able to get out there. He's looked pretty effective for the most part, at least early uh, early in his return. So my question for you, you know, they've been kind of limiting his minutes, but we got four really big games coming up. Buy or sell, Jaime gets 20-plus minutes in each of those remaining crucial games against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, VCU, and Ole Miss. Uh, I'm going to buy. You know, the only thing that could prevent that is foul trouble. But, you know, he played 29 minutes against West Virginia. 
when I was told that he was on basically a minutes limit. I thought they were going to try to limit him to somewhere around 20, but you know they absolutely needed him out on the floor. Uh, he says his hands close to, to 100% now, so I think the, the injury risk is kind of behind him. They're not going to worry about that too much going forward. Um, so yeah, I think the way that the other three centers are playing, you know, Udeze is kind of the only one that's kind of uh, separated himself. So I think they're going to keep rotating him in and out, and I think uh, Jaime's going to get at least 20, uh, especially against those big-time opponents. I'll buy that as well against West Virginia. He actually had the second most minutes on the team, only behind Eric Stevenson. Another position that I have my eye on is point guard. Uh, we, you know, Grant has done, you know, fine, but a lot of folks maybe say should Burton enter the starting lineup there. So I think you'll start to see over these next couple weeks some of the, as they say, the cream rise to the top or the, you know, kind of the, the folks they feel are playing most consistent. But that's also the thing I like most about this team is there's so much depth. There's so many different guys that on a given night can, you know, go out and, and and get a bucket and take care of the team. And so, but uh, to answer your question, we'll buy that. I have a hot take on the point guard position. Okay. Here it is. I think here's my crazy idea. I think they should explore Eric Stevenson playing more, more point guard minutes. I think he is the best passer on the team. He has the best feel. He creates passing angles that, that no one else can, can do or find. And he's so good passing out of the pick and roll. He's actually, you know, no one has gotten more out of Asbjorn Meekard than Eric Stevenson finding him on those rolls. And, you know, uh, Sherfield and Burton are, are more, you know, sure. I, you know, they're going to make the for sure pass. They're not really passing people open. They're making, you know, the passes to open people. Whereas Eric Stevenson, he's passing people open. And, you know, on top of that, finding open people. And, you know, you look at his assist to turnover rate. It's top 10 in the country. Uh, his I think he's actually leading the team in assist, even playing off ball. But I think this is a way for for him to to if you put him in that pass first mode, I think that helps with his shot selection. I don't think he feels that pressure to bail the offense out with as many tough shots. And I just like the way the offense moves when he is the one passing the ball. So I don't know if that's actually going to happen. You know, obviously Sherfield and Burton have had. Uh, have, you know, bright spots early in the season, but man, I, I think the offense, it might, it might level up with Stevenson as a point guard. And then you surround him with maybe it's JB and, uh, ATN, uh, you know, a shooter like that. And then bring, you know, Grant in as that kind of that, that second option. How crazy does that sound to you guys? I don't think it sounds crazy. I mean, his plus minus has been one of the best on the team here in this young season. Um, you know, I, I think they'll continue to plug guys at different positions and see what uh, those different roster makeups come up with the best results. But, uh, you know, I'm willing to try anything at this point. <laughs> I could see it. I, I'm not sure that we will see it just because as far as practice reps, I'm guessing that Burton and Sherfield are pretty much soaking up all of those. Um, so th- and that's you got Fernandez really as well. I mean, yeah. Fernandez has been yeah. soaking up some and of those Yeah, I don't even know if I'm talking about, you know, put him full-time at point guard, but I would have liked to see him get a few, you know, a four-minute stretch where he's the point guard um, and, you know, acting as the point guard. So I don't know. That, I think that, that could be something WSU could experiment with at some point. Well, I would – I mean, you could almost see him like at the small forward position almost kind of being a, a point forward, so to speak, where you try and get him – operating out of the pick and roll in a mismatch and where you're not actually going up against the opposing team's point guard. Yeah. So there, there's some options there too. All right. So we've talked already some, the Oklahoma state, Wichita state matchup two very defensive minded teams. And we've seen the dramatic improvement in Wichita state's defensive Ken Palm numbers, the points per possession allowed, particularly against South Carolina when they were so dominant for so long. So buy or sell, this Wichita State defense is already elite. I'm going to sell that just because we haven't seen them up against good enough competition just yet. Uh, really, West Virginia was the only game that I think we can really judge them to, you know, uh, as far as the, the level of competition. South Carolina, I do not think, is going to be that great of a team uh, by the end of the season. So I think the jury has to be out until at least January before you start making proclamations one way or the other on uh, how the team is. I agree with Dustin, but I'm going to go ahead and put my faith in this defense. I'm going to buy that. Um, you know, they're 14th on Kim Palm right now. Um, as we talked about earlier, Dexter Dennis has not been anywhere close uh, to the level he was uh, on defense. You know, he's had his moments, uh, but he hasn't been, you know, as locked in 
uh, as you know disciplined on defense as he was at the end of last season. So I think with Jaime Echenique's return, you know you get your best shot blocker back, uh, the the big you know human eraser in the middle. You know once Dexter Dennis starts playing better, I've been improved with or I've been impressed with uh, Eric Stevenson. I thought he's been better on the defensive end. Um, you know compared to where he was last year. You know Jamarius Burton. Uh, another excellent defender, Sherfield, very handsy out on the perimeter. So, um, and then Trey Wade, you know, he plays bigger than his size. So I do think this team, you know, if we're talking elite, I would consider that probably top 20, 20 you know, top 25 in the, in the nation. I do, I do think that Wichita State finishes in the top 25 this year. All right, so we're going to switch, change gears, NBA talk for a minute. Fred Van Vliet gets his NBA title last year with the Raptors. And when Kawhi leaves, everybody says, oh, well, the Raptors are going to fall apart. Well, we know Fred Van Vliet is still on that team. So they've continued to play well. They have like, they're like 15 and four right now. They've lost their starting point guard, uh, Kyle Lowry, out with injury. And Fred has been running the show during this time. He's uh, top, he's getting uh, 16 points per game, seven assists per game. He's, He's actually really tearing it up in a, in what will be a contract year for him to find find a big contract in the offseason as a free agent. So with knowing that Fred is out there playing at this level, buy or sell, Fred Van Vliet gets back to the NBA Finals this year. I'm going to sell that. I think uh, the Greek freak is just uh, uh, he is a freak this year, and he's playing even better than he did last year as an MVP. So. I don't think any East team is even close to what Milwaukee is doing right now. But uh, the the thing is, I think Fred potentially could be an all-star. You know, you look at the East, it's kind of a, a weak guard class. And with how good Fred is playing, I think that he has a, a very strong chance of, of being an all-star if he can maintain this level. Obviously, you know, Lowry's about to come back, so that's probably going to affect things a little bit. But, man, you know, Fred is balling out right now, and he's a huge reason why – Everyone was picking the Raptors to take a step back this year, and they're still probably a top-five team in the NBA uh, without Kawhi. So um, at best, you know, he could be an all-star. He might be in the, the conversation for most improved in the NBA too. So I think he could uh, be racking up some hardware at the end of the season, even if that doesn't mean a trip to the NBA Finals. And he's definitely getting paid next year now. Yeah, I, I have that exact same answer. I'm going to sell him making the finals, but I'm going to buy him getting paid because the articles are already getting, you know, is he going to get 30? Is he going to get 40? That's wild. You know, his bank million. account is going to be looking pretty nice here soon. So it already does look nice, actually. So I, I'm just so happy for him. And, and Landry's had the success as well. So you like to see that in the NBA. A little bit of an upset alert. Charleston Southern just beat Mizzou at home uh, on Mizzou's home court, 68 to 60. So uh, not going too good for the Tigers to our east. But back to you, producer Brian. <laughs> I, 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 totally I did not lost. see that coming. Wow, that was out Woo! of left field. Uh, I didn't know we we're keeping track on Mizzou. Uh, final, final question. Anytime there's an upset, the people need to know. The people need to know. You know, tr- you know. That's day, your weekly Mizzou later. report. There's, there's back your to you. <laughs> So, transition, gear shift, back to Wichita State. The four crucial games, buy or sell, Wichita State wins at least three of those four big games against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, VCU, and Ole Miss. I will buy that, um, and I think it's the three games that are in Wichita. I think the game against OU, we've had two consecutive games downtown that they've lost, so they kind of want to get that feeling uh, you know, out of their mouth, and I believe Oklahoma State is the better of the two Oklahoma teams. And then with Coke Arena, I don't think Ole Miss is that great. They lost to Butler by 11 tonight. We've already talked about losing to Oklahoma State and several others, so I think they take care of Ole Miss, so it all comes down to that VCU game, and that's where we just need one of those classic, Coke Arena, bring your lunch pail, fill all the frickin' seats uh, here this season, and and do it just like they did in the Bracket Busters game back in the day. And we need to have that home court advantage. I think they take down VCU, so I will buy winning three of those games. And I like that too. I, I'm going to buy that as well. And uh, kind of the same same rationale. I think uh, the OU one at Entrust. I think they're they're going to get that revenge on uh, on OU and. Uh, maybe a little sweet pay, uh, payback to Austin Reeves. Um, and then I think uh, the VCU, man, I love VCU. I, I think that they're a second weekend team possibly in the NCAA tournament. 
But like you said, I mean, I think this is that's going to be you know the first really really big uh, Coke Arena game. So I think fans are going to go crazy on that one. It's right before Christmas, uh, Saturday. So I think uh, Coke Arena is going to be rocking for that one. And I think they're going to take care of business. And like you said, Ole Miss, they just haven't been that impressive. I think that's a game where, uh, you know, um, that's, that's going to be a really entertaining stretch because right after that game, they play Memphis at home. That's the game, maybe the game of the year at Coke Arena if uh, the shocker. I mean, James Wiseman's not going to be there, but I just feel like there's so much hype surrounding Memphis. Uh, WSU fans are annoyed by it. I think the players are, just from judging from kind of their social media in the offseason, they're kind of like, okay, you know, yes, we know Memphis has the number one recruiting class, but what have they won? Like, what have they actually done? So I think the player, everyone's going to be geared up for Memphis to, to Penny to come back, uh, Alex Lomax to come back at Coke. So I think that's going to be a really fun stretch. But I, I do think they go three and one um, if they can. You know, it's just gravy if they can beat the Oklahoma State on the road on Sunday. That would be uh, one of the nicest wins on the season if they can pick that up. But I, I do think they go three and one. Taylor, you had another installment of what you like around the AAC come out today. So maybe we don't need all 10, but just give us a few of those that you like. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest ones, James Booknight is back at UConn, uh, highly touted four-star guard. Um, he looks really, really good so far. 14 points. He's shooting like almost 70% from the field. Obviously, that's not going to last, but man, uh, the way he's, I know, I knew he was a good shooter. I knew he could, you know, he was a bucket, but what's impressed me the most is uh, his offensive rebounding. He, he's really, really physical uh, going for offensive rebounds. He scored a ton on offensive rebound uh, putbacks. Great feel for the game. So that's a name to, to remember. Uh, James Booknight, he's a, a big time player for UConn, uh, freshman. Um, SMU, they had huge news this week, this past week, getting Kendrick Davis. The TCU transfer and he's just elevated their offense. They haven't really played anybody. They're seven and zero though, and uh, they're looking. Uh, Davis is just kind of. I, I think he just raises their ceiling. I mean, he's so electric. Uh, he's so good in the pick and roll. He's one of the best passers, maybe the best passer in the American. Uh, he he loves throwing lobs. And, uh, you know, SMU, they got a lot of rangy athletes that, that, you know, if they just make one cut to the basket, he's going to find them. So uh, they're a team to watch. I think they're kind of a dark horse contender to, to break into that, that top four that not many people are thinking. Um, and then Matt Lorlander kind of mentioned Temple, too. Uh, and UConn's off to a good start, too. They probably had the two best wins in the American this season uh, against Miami. They beat Miami by, I think, 25, and then they beat Florida at home. So um, those are two impressive wins. After kind of a shocking loss at home to St. Joe's, so UConn's a team to watch. Temple off to a six and one start. Uh, Quentin Rose is playing better. Napier Louis, uh, we talked about him last time. He's into that superstar uh, mode right now. So they're another team in the middle to to pay attention to. Um, UCF Tulsa, uh, they both looked uh, maybe even better than I thought they would early in the season. UCF is five and two. Tulsa six and one. Uh, so I think the middle of the American is actually way better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, you know, top four and then kind of a fall off. But, but man, you know, SMU, Temple, uh, UCF, UConn, all those teams are looking really, really solid. And then kind of like what Matt mentioned too, you know, Houston has not been as impressive so far. Um, you know, Memphis, they're kind of a, they're still going to be super, super talented. But until they get Wiseman back, that's kind of a question mark. Uh, Cincinnati has not looked good at all. Uh, they played like three straight overtime games against, you know, outside of 150 in the, in the Ken Palm. Um, and like you said, I mean, they kind of let Vermont back in the game tonight. So, you know, the top is maybe not as good as we thought, and the middle is better. So what does that mean for NCAA tournament bursts? That's a question that remains to be seen. Um, I still think that they're going to get at least three in, uh, the top three in the conference. So um, it's something to, to watch. But right now, that's that's kind of the biggest takeaway a month into the season. The top of the AAC, AAC not as good as maybe we thought, but the middle, uh, it's maybe deeper than we thought. As we wrap up the show, Producer Brian, best producer in the AAC, worked. We got a new uh, you know, link when we post the show, so you not only should have no problems there, but also now should be able to find the podcast really anywhere you listen to podcasts. Am I right? Yep, you can get it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. So 
Uh, if you like to use those apps, definitely do it and make sure to invite others to check the podcast out. And let's talk about Patreon. We have a cool setup there. What are some of the different experiences that you can have if you support us on Patreon? So what we're going to be doing this season as we get patrons, we will be setting up a special monthly bonus podcast episode just for people who are who are helping financially support us you know with essentially a starbucks coffee a month and and those sorts of things are going to allow us to uh do bigger and better things in the future and continue to uh, update and improve the podcast and keep bringing you great guests you know if you want a personal you know good night text from taylor eldridge i'm sure we can find a lot (laughs) those are options i'll take you yeah text you sweet dreams every night I'll text you my favorite uh, analytic from the day, too, if you want that. Yeah, Taylor's Takes. Taylor's Takes. (laughs) Well, it was a great show. Our thanks again to Matt Norlander from CBS Sports for joining us. He's done that about once a year ever since we've had the show, and and just appreciate him taking the time. We'll have a great show for you next week as we get you ready for the Sooners game at Interest Bank Arena, one of, in my opinion, one of the the, most fun games of the year to go down and experience Old Town and and hopefully see uh, a good crowd, I've heard. You know, maybe they have around three to 4,000 tickets left. So I, I think it will be pretty darn close to full if you consider walk-ups and different things like that. So I think it's going to be an electric environment. And as we've mentioned, you have the return of awesome. So have a great week. And as always, rate us five stars.